Nothing is more powerful than the connection between a storyteller and their audience. Over 100 million Americans listen to podcasts every month, forming lasting connections with their favorite creators. And 56% of those listeners have purchased a product after hearing about it on a podcast. But there's an art to building meaningful relationships between consumers, hosts, and brands. Ad Results Media has it down to a science. Ad Results Media specializes in helping breakthrough brands join the conversation at scale. With over 20 years of expertise, Ad Results Media amplifies brand stories across thousands of shows, publishers, and emerging platforms. They're a data-driven matchmaker, strategically pairing world-changing brands with engaged audiences to create the sound of success. For an experienced partner to help your brand find the right audience, achieve long-term growth, and improve advertising ROI, look no further. Be part of the story. Learn more at adresultsmedia.com story. That's adresultsmedia.com story. We are speaking to the one and only Barry Kirch, a drummer for Shinedown. And Barry, as I was telling you just before, last time we met was at a show in Montreal uh, or in Laval, Quebec, a couple of years ago. And I have to say, your band live is fucking phenomenal. I mean, there's just something phenomenal about that presentation. So before we get to the video and all this, just talk to me about the importance of the live shows, because you've had to sit a few out, but how important mm -hmm. is that for you to take that music to the stage and not just be a studio band? Uh, it's extremely important. Uh, people pay a lot of money to go to shows. Mm -hmm and it's not getting any cheaper. And we really took it upon ourselves very early on in our career to put on the best show we possibly can. Our job is to entertain and to give people an escape for the hour and a half or whatever it is that we're on stage. And we take it extremely seriously. You know, we go into rehearsals, we'll rehearse for, you know, if we haven't done it in a while, probably for a full week, just making sure our production's together, making sure the songs are together, lighting, everything is its very important to us and it's paramount because we want to put on the best show. And that also, you know, that's given us a career that's lasted about 20 years now and hopefully will last another 20, 30 years um, because we do still care about our show. We're not going to, we're not, we're not just up there going through the motions. We're, we're up there. We mean what we do. You do. And obviously the band has great songs. We're not going to debate that. You have great songs. But how important, again, just was it to get from the club to the theater to the arena? I mean, it, is it the songs that got you there? Is it the live show that got you there? Or is it just really both? I think it's a combination of both of those. I mean, okay. songs definitely help. Um, and then it's putting in the time and the work. You know, we've never said no to just about anything. We we work really hard and consistently work hard and are always trying to outwork what we did last time. So I, I think it, it comes down to nothing's ever given to you. You got to work for it. Absolutely. So let's get into attention, attention, uh, the uh, the video or, or the movie that's going to be a, a video on demand as of September 3rd. Mm -hmm. It is described on the poster or on the on the you know the the paperwork here as a visual journey through the album. Uh, explain the choice of those words. So so it's not necessarily a collection of just random videos, and it's not a movie. It's a visual journey. Right. Explain that 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 term and and what does that mean for the fan? Sure. So. Early on in the, the writing process of Attention, Attention, we once the song started coming together, we realized that it was going to be more of a concept than just a, a group of songs. These songs are going to go to each other and tell a story. And in that, we knew that we wanted a visual to go with that. We wanted to create something that that 
encompassed the whole record and that journey that the record takes you through lyrically and, and song wise. Um, so when we got with Bill Yukik, the d- director of the video, that was the initial concept before we made video one for the record was this isn't just going to be a music video. This is going to be a collection that we want you to head up and create a visual rep- visual representation of this whole record. So when you finally get to see the movie or whatever we want to call it, I don't know what to call it anymore either. It's been called many different things in its iteration. A visual um, journey. That's what we're going to A visual journey. Yes. That sounds very uh, fancy. It's very um, artsy. Well done. Yeah. It's very artsy. And you know what? I think, I think the journey is a little artsy and I think it's cool because I'm not a, a, a video person. I don't enjoy the process of making videos. Right. I like to play shows. Um, I'd never be a great actor. And in doing this, it really pushed all of us in our limits a little bit because this was Bill's direction and he is a Hollywood guy um, and, and took us on this journey with him to, you know, yes, the band is in the videos, the band is there, but we're not the main characters. Right. You know, it, it, the, the journey is about other characters and what they go through and their struggles, trials and tribulations to culminate into a, what is a hopeful ending. So that's kind of the, the, the idea behind it. And it was Bill's vision of our songs and our talking to him. And he was able to put that into what this is. What, to what this is. Uh, talk to me just real quick about concept records. Cause you go back in time and you have operation mind crime and you have Judas priest Nostradamus and you have other, all kinds of other concept albums. Was that something that you had set out to do? Did the songs just lead that way? And, you know, for a band that is that is relevant, like you are on radio, mm-hmm. was it a bit dangerous to sort of say, OK, we're going to forego singles and we're going to have story? Um, talk to me about that and, and where you just went, no, we got to do this. It's It's working. Yeah. It, again, it goes back to the early writing part of it. You know, we were. We never write. Here's the difference, I think, between us and maybe some other bands or even like Mindcrime or something like that. Mindcrime was a story about a fictional thing. Um, and it was wonderful, one of my favorites, but that's what it was. Right. Um, this wasn't that. This was the story of basically us and what we've gone through. Because when Brent's writing lyrics, because he is the main lyricist, um, he's writing from personal experiences and what he's seen. And that's been the history of Shinedown. And I think that's one of the reasons people connect to us so well is these are true stories and people have lived these and you can put your own person into that song and whatever you've been through. Right. You know, song monsters and things like that. My monsters are real. That's talking about dealing with these guys in your head and the addiction or whatever that is that you have. And our band has suffered through a lot of those. It's no secret that Brent was an addict. It's no secret that Eric struggles from severe depression. That, that song is initially about, but then we put it on another character when it comes to the visuals. Um, so when this record was coming together, we realized we were talking about all these demons that we had been dealing with and all these things we've been going with and social media and all these things that were just a culmination at that point in time, back in 2018, when that, uh, and 17, when that song was being, or that record was being written, that was a snapshot of us then. Just like the new record, when we find, when we finally get that one out, it'll be a snapshot of what we're going through at those points. Because um, we don't know how to write any other way. We don't write fictional stories. And uh, in writing it, that's how we knew, wait a minute, these all connect. And that's why we made it a concept or a story record. It's just because it was our story and it connected. And we wanted to have it that way for the fans out there. For the fans. Did you enjoy that process? Or do you like sort of, let, let's do a four-minute song and then let's do another four-minute song and let's do, 
What's your preference for recording? Do you do you look back at attention, attention, and go, you know what? That's that's pretty. So that's something. That's significant. It's not just you know she loves you. Yeah, 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 and move on to the next one. Right. It was bold, and at first I was like, much like you said, it's it's taking a risk, and we're like, hey, do we? You know, right. your head could be on the chopping block for sure by taking a risk in this business, right. uh, especially when everything nowadays is single driven and look who just dropped a track and the rest of the records nothing to some people um we just can't do that i guess in a way we're stuck old school in that you write an album you write a collection of songs you don't write a song to know that it's going to be played in a commercial somewhere some people like that and sure it pays the bills that's just not who we are you know we write songs that matter but, but there's us. nothing wrong with doing that because i hear fans no. all the time going oh they're a sellout they're a sellout and i go a sellout that's the whole point of a career is to be successful. Like, what are you talking They're about? They're making money <laughs> They're creating making... their art. Yeah. I love it. I know. I would never discount that. If, if uh, brand X comes up to us and goes, hey, we think that song yeah. would really be good about, on a commercial for us, I'd be like, sure, you're going to pay us? Let's do that. Take it. Because people, you know, Metallica's Black Album is celebrating its, whatever, 30 years coming up this right. week. And people are like, oh, they sold out. And it's like, good. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's we the all whole have point. bills to pay. It's a business. It's a music business that we are lucky enough to be successful in. Yeah. Well, that comes with making some of those decisions. Yeah. It's like being a baseball player and going, oh, no, no, I don't want to go to the major leagues. I, I'm happy in double A ball. Yeah. No. I'm, I'm never going to hit a home run. I'm never going to strive for that. <laughs> no. Yeah, forget that. Um, in terms of of the next album do you do you go back to that sort of formula or do you say all right well we did one story album let's make another story album where, where are we in terms of that and and how do you sort of see this yeah i i don't think this next one coming out will be a story record though it is a story of what we've gone through right. um it's not a concept um i think this one i think it, it's a sign of the times in a way um it's a little aggressive Good. It's a little commentary-ish. Without, we're not a political band. So that's not who we are. Good. Um, but you know, you couldn't do anything, see anything without being locked down, COVID, etc. Just the world going crazy. So that's kind of some of what we wrote about. But there's also it shine down. There's the hopeful moments. There is the shine down ballads. That's what we do. Right. But the songs that are rock songs are very aggressive and in your face, um, and intentionally so because everybody's kind of right now. Um, and you need that release again. That's what our job is, is to give people that. Um, and then uh, I'm excited about it. We had a really, really fun time recording really since Threats of Survival. It's gotten more and more fun because it used to be the pressure keg of recording and, and, right. and things changing and, and just different personalities at a time. I think we've grown into a better recording band. And this time was a blast making this record. We broke in Eric's new studio. Um, there was just a good vibe good vibe overall so it, the the songs are done we're in the mixing mastering process right now that's why eric has extra gray hairs at the moment because <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, he's driving himself crazy because he's a perfectionist and that's why we love him i don't know don't uh, be a perfectionist just do like the beatles or the stones or, or sabbath <laughs> record in nine yeah. hours and throw it out there and then figure out all the mistakes later you can tell him that <laughs> we cannot. <laughs> I will. I will text him later. Let me. Uh, let me ask you this: uh, Since these the songs are always honest, and you've talked about depression, you've talked about dealing with that. At some mm -hmm. point, when you get past that and you get over it, and your life moves on, does it become difficult to sing those songs? Does it become difficult to go back to that space? Because 
you know, if I was Eric and I'm better five years later, I don't know if I'd want to go back and sing about how miserable I was five years ago. Does that right. come up? Do, do you do you at some point say, maybe we should write a She Loves You, yeah, 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 fluffy, fluffy stuff? You know, maybe someday we will. <laughs> I don't know. Um, sometimes, uh, for me personally, looking back on some of the early songs and remembering uh, just the different time, and you know, we even had a different lineup at the time, and remembering those time periods can be bittersweet. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, all those stories that you have over a 20 year career, there's bittersweet moments. But I think all of us are able to really turn that off because, yeah, maybe that song means something to me or was about me or written about me. Who cares? Because that person in the audience that's connecting to that song, right. it means the world to them. Right. And you can really turn that off and give them the best version of that song, even if sometimes it pains you to play it. You realize that it, it's giving that person what they need. Yeah, because uh, I, I can see it as being difficult where, you know, in 10 years down the road, you go, all right, we're, we're not playing Get Up anymore. I mean, forget it. I'm, just, I'm done with that, you know. Um, talk to me about that connection with the fans, because when I was at that Montreal show, you, Eric was kind enough to give me an all access. I walked around and I had a chance to speak to people in the audience and they were uniformly talking about how those songs speak to them. Uh, is that important to have that that sort of interpersonal connection? And, and do you respect it and go, you know what? I don't care if I'm I have COVID tonight. I got to go out there and give that kid the best fucking show ever because it means something to them. For this band and for us, yes, yeah. that means everything to us. For us, that is of utmost importance uh, is that connection with the fan. So the Wi-Fi there seemed to have squelched for a second. That, yeah. uh, that thing, because oh, sorry, important for the fans. It's the utmost importance. Um, other bands can do what they do, and maybe they don't want the connection with their audience. For us, that is the biggest drug on the planet, and it means everything to us. So it's just how we how we do things and we wouldn't have it any other way. Honestly, um, I think if, if we lost that spark or didn't want to do that anymore, it's time to hang it up yeah. for us. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I love what you do. So uh, let me talk to you just real quick. We, we, we hear often about, you know, rock is not doing so well and blah, blah, blah. I, I hate that stupid thing. You guys yeah, are doing, it's, it's ridiculous. You're, you're, you know, maybe it's not on the billboard top 10, but whatever. Uh, but you're doing 50 million views, 30 million views. When you got into this, you know, 20, 25 years ago, did you think about that and say, okay, maybe we should be more of a pop band. Maybe we should be more like Nickelback. Maybe we should, or did you just sort of say, no, we're just going to rock. And I don't care if I play a bar the rest of my life. Uh, the latter. It, we did what we do, you know, and here's the thing. You can't change Brent's voice. It is very distinct. It is who he is. Yeah. Um, and that's what we back up. I mean, my job is I'm a backup musician and I'm proud of it. That's what I do is hold the foundation for the band. Um, we have to be who we are, you know, and we've been compared to a million things and been called a million things and, and told we'd never make it. And here we are still selling out 15,000, 20,000 seaters. Um, rock isn't dead. It's just. Oh, that's such the, a stupid thing. That whole rock is dead. I mean, just, it's just dumb. And all it is is the tastemakers in the major city here and there and right there that only listen to whatever is the coolest thing right now and alternative which 
let me tell you something, and this is not to poop any of those bands out there, but there isn't many alternative bands on those charts that can sell out a club. Right. So it's unless you're in major city A or B, the rest of the country in Canada want rock and roll and still go to shows. And it is very apparent. It's just your, your media outlets that are just full of shit, really. You know, if, if, if anything, and, and maybe you, you, you'll understand the comparison, maybe rock has just gotten to that point where you're like jazz, you know, where people just go and every city has a jazz festival and they're always sold out, you right. know, but maybe jazz is not playing the, the Enorma Dome. Okay, but that jazz fest is fucking full. So. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe it's that way. And, you know, it's different in every place you go. You know, if you're in the Midwest, it's rock and roll all day long. Um, you go overseas, that's a whole nother vibe. And it, rock and roll is definitely not dead over there. So, um, again, I think it's a bullshit statement. It really is. Let me ask you quickly about overseas, because I'm an older fan. And the music I buy now is mostly all from the UK, from Germany. I'm all into Thunder and FM and all these bands from over there. Uh, how important is that market to you? Because you look at bands, you know, like REO, Speedwagon, and Night Ranger, and Journey from the Old, and they never really made an imprint over there. They just sort of became American bands. Ted Nugent is an American band. Uh, how important is, for, is it for you to get over to Wacken and to Hellfest and to France and Germany and say, we're a world band. We're not an American band. Uh, it's extremely important for us. It's a, the, there's a cool difference, and not to say that our fans here aren't very loyal, but the the UK and European fans, if they latch on to a band, it's because they, they really like your music. It has nothing to do with looks, has nothing to do with anything aside from they love your music, and they stick with you forever. Yep. You know, you got bands like Halloween that couldn't sell a ticket here in the U.S. that have huge followings over there still because yeah. somebody latched onto them early and they love them. Look at Blackstone Cherry from here in the United States, yeah. who is one of our great friends and a wonderful Southern band that really has a hard time here. They're selling out, you know, massive places in the U.K. because they latched onto them. They love it. And that's their place, you know. Um Europe and the UK, it's, it's very important for that because they are a lot more loyal. It's not just what is the hit today. I know. They, they stick with you like forever. I mean, one of my favorite bands is Thunder. And in the States, you say Thunder and people go, who's that? You go to the right. UK, they're playing 9,500 people. Absolutely. <laughs> you go, you know? Biff, look at Biffy Clyro. They're yes. huge over there and a wonderful band. Eh, they don't do much over here. So, so do you do you spend a lot of time focusing on that? Do, do you have like a special management team over there? How do you sort of focus your attention for that market? Because it is one where, as you say, once they love you, they'll stick with you. Just, mm -hmm. I mean, ask Judas Priest, ask Iron Maiden, forty year, you know, fans for forty five years. Yeah, it's difficult, and it's difficult initially, and it still is difficult. Um, two things: financially, it's very expensive to get over there mm -hmm. and go to club club circuit you know it's it's ridiculously expensive yeah. um and and difficult you know just the the busing and the traveling is very different than what is here in the u.s we uh we have the same management over there but we have a different booking agent who really knows the venues over there and knows the bands over there and what we'd fit with you know uh john jackson is his name he was the one that put us on with iron maiden on their big uk run that they hadn't done in 11 years and we got to open for maiden 
which was a bucket list thing for me, one of my favorite bands. And we had to work for it. Their fans are much like Kiss fans where they're there to see that band and nobody else. So they literally would turn their back on you in the first few yeah. songs. Um, As and a Kiss fan, fine. I can tell you that's true. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I'm cool with that because that means they're loyal to their band. But I'll tell you, by the end of that run, we won a lot of them. And now when we go back to the UK, a lot of those Maiden fans are now Shinedown fans as well. Um, it's important and it's a different look over there. And you have to have somebody that knows those areas better and you got to keep going back. Um, you know, even if it burns the wall a little bit, you have to keep going back. You know, we've got plans to go back next year for the festival season and plans to go again in the fall for a headlining run that we're putting together right now, as long as they open up and let us go. Right. And, and just to give some perspective to fans, uh, I was having a chat with Brian Tatler of Diamond Head and they came over to North America and they did a run of 27 shows in 30 days. And I said, well, what do you do? You're, you're going you're, you're gonna to kill yourself. He said, you don't understand. Before we even land, it has cost us $40,000 of uh, uh, licenses or what? Not licenses, but, uh, you know, passports and all. And it's like $40,000. He says never. Visas, that's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. Yes, yeah, like it's forty thousand dollars before they played the first show. They were minus forty before the first show. And it's like we don't have a choice. We got to play all it's thirty nights, or we're fucked. It's the same for us going overseas. Yeah. You know, and then you've got the bus laws, and you, you have to get tandem drivers because you can only go so far. And then they shut the buses down, and you yeah. got your stuff. You know, and then getting on the different ferries to get to the different countries, and each country has its own little thing and their tax system. It's I'm glad we have people in better positions than me. <laughs> yeah. I know how to do taxes. Oh, and they, and they, they love to tax. They, they will literally sit at the show and go, uh, yeah, before you get, get that check, you hand me over the, the 15000 You're like, oh, God. They I, I, I've seen that. take their cut off the top. For I've seen that. <laughs> and, it's, and it's just like, man, they don't even wait for you to file anything. They just sit there at no. the show and go, come on, come yeah. on. Oh, give... How many teachers did you sell? Yeah, we'll take 20%. Thanks. Yeah, I know the good stuff. Um, just quickly back to this. Uh, you're not actors and you've done this visual representation of, of the album. Was that a process you enjoyed? Is that a process that you want to repeat? Do you like making videos for YouTube? Or are you just like, oh, fuck it. Just let me play. I don't, I don't want to do this nonsense. <laughs> you know, hurry up and wait 12 hours to, to record a three minute song. Right. I, <laughs> uh, I think that's a point of contention in the band because I hate making videos. I personally do. Right. Um, I never had the want to be an actor. I just want to play my instrument. And, and here's the thing, being a drummer making a music video, those drums are stuffed and silenced. Those cymbals are two cymbals glued together. So when you hit them, they don't make a bunch of noise. Or tape or and whatever. And it hurts like a stump. <laughs> it hurts to play those things over and over and over again. Um, going into making this 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 film... I was very nervous and then being put in positions where I was acting and not playing my instrument was, I mean, a sweating bullets for me. <laughs> um, and Bill, the director was very cool and very supportive. And then the actual actors that were there were very supportive and, and, you know, made it a, a joyful experience to where <laughs> at the end I was very thankful to Bill and to all of them and, right. and to my band guys, you know what? You put me in a very uncomfortable situation that I don't like, and we made it through, and I th I think I did good. Right. Um, and Are they there going, Barry, you can do it. Come on, Barry, you can do it. You t you got this, man. No, You're we're, so we're good. much tougher on each other. <laughs> we're much tougher on each other. Hey, man, get up there and don't fuck up. Okay, good luck. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. Um, 
but it, it was good at the end. I, I gained even more of a new respect for people that are actors and can put on those, you know, they're professional liars. They can be anybody. They can be anything. Um, I, I don't know that I have that, nor do I strive for that. Um, <laughs> we'll continue to make videos because one, Brent loves it. And two, uh, you have to have a visual out there. You have to have your candy for the outlets, the YouTubes, et cetera, out there. So yeah, we'll keep making them. Will we do another film like this? I don't know. There's no plans in the near future for sure. Is it a film or a visual journey? We don't know. We don't know. Visual journey film. <laughs> uh, I'll finish on the, I'll finish on this with the two questions. Eric, of course, uh, your, uh, your band member produces your albums. Uh, is there a, is there a, an innate danger in that, that you don't have outside ears to maybe say, Hey, Come on, let's try something. Or is it brilliant where you go, he knows what we want and he, he's going to get it? Uh, it could be both. And I think it can be a, a nail in the coffin for a lot of bands that go, hey, we're going to self-produce. Here's the thing. Before Eric was even in the band, he was a producer. Right. So he's been cutting his teeth as a producer for many, many years. and We have a lot of trust in him. And number two, we still have the outside voices that we trust. Our engineer that comes in, Doug McKean, who's been with us in Sound of Madness before Eric was producing with us, um, he has an opinion, he has a voice, and he's able to go, hey, man, that sounds like shit, or that sounds great. Let's right. try this. Let's do this thing. And then we have uh, Steve Robertson, who's our A&R guy from Atlantic, who's been with us since before Shinedown was named Shinedown. Um, who's got a great, he was in radio before he's got a great radio ear and he's got a great ear for music. Right. He, he will be upfront and honest with you and go, yeah, we got it or we don't have it. Um, same with management, same with the rest of the labels. So we have enough outside voices and appreciate the outside voices to okay. where I don't think we fall into that pit hole or pitfall, but some bands have because they will completely seal them off and then they come out with some sort of jazz odyssey and that's not they are. <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about, but yeah, yeah because it, it 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 can be dangerous, but also sometimes being a, with a producer can be dangerous. If you're with Mutt Lang or Bob Ezrin and they just do their thing, well, yeah. that ain't that ain't good either. You know, you you, you no, need sort of I mean, a give Mutt and take. Done, I don't see us ever being able to do a record with um, uh, what's his name that did all the the Rage records and Slipknot. He's the Vibe guy. Uh, uh, Rick Rubin. Yeah, Rick Rubin. He's not somebody I think we could ever make a record with because we don't work that way. We right. we don't make it a vibe room and light a bunch of candles and, hey, what are you feeling today? Oh, I feel yellow. Let's make a yellow song. Uh, <laughs> we go in as if it's a, a hospital room and we got to get work done. Um, and that's the way we've always – that's just how we focus on things. So you definitely have to have the personality with – the outside producer if you have one and there's been knockdown drag out fights with some of them over the years right. uh, but you know with rob caballo who did sound of madness that was a tough time for us the band had split um brent was insane i was trying to just hold everything together um rob caballo was like hey we gotta make this record um and we did butt heads quite a few times especially going into amaryllis but the end result was one of our best records to date and i yeah. think it's because of the chaos that was going on at the time uh, if you hire on the producer, you just got to trust in their vision because you you hire them to have the vision right. as your producer. Right. But does Eric sit there and go, you know, this could really use more bass in the mix. It's just, just a little bit more. <laughs> Fun fact about Eric, <laughs> he hates bass guitar. Oh, does he? <laughs> he plays bass, but he's actually a guitar player, but he hates bass guitar. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, hey, poor, poor guy. Uh, and then I'll finish on this. Uh, you took to Instagram on August 5th and you, you, you revealed to the world a, a COVID. Um, yeah. uh, what's with whatever you, you revealed it. You had COVID. Yeah. How was that experience for you? I mean, I, you seem fine. So did you, are you over it? Are you a hundred percent? Are you still like, uh, are, are you joining the tour in September? What's, what's sort of the, the deal? I mean, I'm over it. I, I test negative and everything else. Do I still have some residuals? Absolutely. I'd say I'm about 90%. I, I still have uh, weak taste, weak smell, uh, weird weird things, brain fog occasionally. It kind of comes and goes in and out. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I got my little, my two Pfizer shots back in April and then still got it. And it, it, it knocked me on my ass for about three days where I was sick um, and then slowly let up. But the residuals they're there, you know, that long COVID thing or whatever that people talk about. It's, it's a true thing. Right. I'm able to function. I'm able to do what I need to do. I'd love to be able to taste food properly again. Cause I, I love to cook and eat, but um, that's, I'm just that's, glad, you know, it could have been much worse for me and I'm okay. And I'm definitely going out on the road. Yeah. I can't understand. I can't even imagine what not tasting food would be like. That's, that's frustrating. It was the strangest thing. And you know what I, I taste more than anything now is salt or sweet, nothing in between. But if say I eat, I don't know, a soup and it's very salty, that's all I take. Really? That's all you take salt where you just don't want it. It's just a salt block. It's the weirdest thing. Wow. That, that is, I, I can't even imagine that. That's, that's, that's terrible. And, and, you know, I, I see Jonathan Davis of corn out there the other day with the oxygen mask during songs. And it's just like, yeah, Oh, for a singer, detriment. I mean, I had a. Well, for a drummer, you have to have good lungs. I mean, you have to be able to move your your arms and legs yeah. for for an Getting hour. Getting my and cardio half. back's been weird. It's it's definitely weird. It does something to your lungs. It does something to your cardio, because we're very. You've seen the show. We're a very aggressive yeah. live band, um, and we work out like monsters for the shows. And it was humbling. It's been humbling. Well, listen, I hope uh, I hope you, you, you fully recover. But of course, at this point, nobody knows if you can fully recover or not. It, it, as you say, this long COVID and. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to continue to do what I do. And, you know, the best thing I can do is is take care of myself food wise and keep working out and keep exercising. And the, I think the best medicine for me is to play shows personally. Yeah. And hopefully uh, we'll get you back to uh, to Montreal at some point and uh, we'll come say hello and we'll. Uh... We'll have another I know screen. we're planning on it for next year. I just don't know with the lockdowns if it's going to happen or not. So, yeah, and we we just started vaccine passports yesterday as as a law, which means mm -hmm. that nobody can go unless they've had their vaccine. So uh, I don't know. We'll see how that works out. It's 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 a strange. It's also fluid right now. It's, it's so weird. Time. It's so fluid. But we'll make it through. That's what we got to do. Yeah. And, you know, I report on rock every day and my last like three weeks has been, oh, the Doobie Brothers canceled today. Oh, Air Supply canceled today. Oh, Shinedown canceled. Uh, or Kiss canceled. So oh, and it's just like, for fuck's sake, like it's just it it, it even sucks to be a reporter because I, I want to tell you about the new album. I want to tell you about the new concert. I want to tell you about the new merch. And all yeah. I'm telling you about is canceled. Nope. Canceled. Nope. Canceled. Nope. And it's very negative. And it's just it, I, it, I I'm over like it. I'm over it. Uh, we're not canceling any shows unless the venue cancels on us. Right. Well, that's, ho that's hopefully you can get out there and rock the world. And uh, thank you, sir. And, and of course, uh, yeah. 
the uh, attention attention uh, we'll call it a movie uh, available movie. video on demand on september 3rd so there you go merci bien as we say in montreal well thank you thank you very much thanks for taking the time and i i hope we can see each other face to face in the near future yes once again i don't know when that when, when was that tour 2019 uh yeah yeah i think it was uh what was the bill papa roach was papa it roach was it spring of 2019 Mm -hmm. This is when I need Zach. Zach has a, uh, a photograph from memory when it comes to dates. I can literally say, hey, Zach, where were we August 5th right. in 2012? And he will tell us the venue yeah. and where we're at. Wow, that's great. But it was three bands, I think. It was Papa Roach, Shine Down, and somebody else, if I'm not mistaken. Was it Stone Temple Pilots? No. no. Oh, whatever. It was a great night. I don't remember, I don't remember yesterday's. So <laughs> a couple yeah. years ago. Well, there you go. Well, thank you, sir. Always a pleasure. And we'll uh, we'll do this again Absolutely. soon. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers. There we go. Perfect. Okay. Awesome. Did I stop uh, the recording? Let me stop the recording.